Today, we're going to continue on in a series that we started several weeks ago that I entitled Family First. And last week, we took a look, or I should say the last two weeks, we've taken a look at how to bring the best out in our kids. And I started out with a little illustration to motivate us in this, and that is these marbles. From birth till the time they leave for college, about 18 years, you have 936 weeks with your kids. And it goes by like that. When they turn nine years old, half of those marbles, 468 of those weeks have gone by. Between nine years old and the time that they drive, is 364 weeks, and we all know, do we not, that once they get a car, we don't see them very much. Our homes become like a bed and breakfast, right? And it goes by like that. In Psalms 90, Moses said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might present before you a heart of wisdom. Because our time is so short with our kids and truly with people that are in our relational world. We need a heart of wisdom. And we have taken a look at how to affirm them, how to accept them. We've talked about responsibility. We've talked about correction. And we have talked about love. Today we're going to talk about the atmosphere that you and I need in our homes, in our lives, so that we as adults, as parents, can empower those who are around us. You see, what is that power that empowers your family, your parenting? And understand something, these principles that I'm gonna talk with you about are across the board. They work in your business, they work in your friendships, they work in your marriages. We're just going to focus in on parenting. What empowers your parents or your parenting? Folks, there are a lot of different things that empower parenting today. And not all of them necessarily are right. Sometimes they are powered, empowered by fear. We get all worried about what other people are thinking about how we're raising our kids. Sometimes they're powered by guilt. Maybe because we work so much and we, we're just guilt-ridden, okay? So a lot of times our parenting is empowered by responsibility. We do what we do because it just needs to be done. And that becomes the thing that empowers our parenting. And no doubt about it, there are a lot of responsibilities when it comes to parenting. Wouldn't you agree? In their younger years, I don't know, there's diapers, uh, there's late nights, there's feedings. As they get older, there's curfew, there's homework, there's taking them to different things. And when we get to the end of those responsibilities of, of a day, we go, done, get ready for the next one. But parenting isn't about task, is it? It's about relationships. What is it that empowers a family? parenting? Well, folks, I think we all know the answer to that, don't we? It's not a new answer. 
It's love. Love is the atmosphere that empowers a family, that empowers parents to raise their kids, to bring out the best in them. Today we're going to take a look at the practical ways that you can be plugged in to God's power, into God's love. Because if you're not plugged in to God's love, folks, it's just not going to work. One of the things that I am enjoying doing these days is making my home smarter. Smart home. You know what I'm talking about? Alexa. Blink. Ring doorbell. Ring video cam. The other day, I bought a new smart device to hook up to one of the lamps in our family room. Now understand, it takes, uh, you gotta connect it to the internet, you gotta connect it to this hub, okay? I do all this work and it didn't work. It's a dumb thing. Then I looked down, I forgot to plug it in, okay? I mean, I had a smart house and a dumb owner, okay? Folks, you and I can read all the books that are out there on parenting. We can go to all the classes that are out there on parenting. But if you are not plugged in to God's power, his love, it's not going to work. Now, when it comes to parenting, you and I have to come to a stark realization that there is no such thing as a perfect parent. And there is no such thing as a perfect kid who is caring for his adult children. There is no such thing as a perfect parent rearing their kids. Personally, there have been times in my life that I felt like a failure in this area. And I had to go to my kids and I had to apologize to them. Honestly, as I've grown up, I really have come to the realization, you know what, my folks weren't perfect, I'm not perfect, and my kids aren't perfect. And yet with this reality that we are imperfect, we long, do we not, for knowledge of raising up the next generation. We do. And we look for advice, and there's all kinds of advice out there, isn't there? I mean, just, the other, just a few weeks ago, we had family first workshops. We had psychologists with advice. Our friends have advice. Coworkers have advice. Grandparents definitely have advice, okay? And some of that advice is helpful and some of it is harmful. So what do we do? What do we do when it comes to wanting to really reach the next generation? We need something more than just opinions, don't we? Folks, we need truth. We need the simple truth that nothing is more important than love. No matter what we do, folks, we need truth. As we attempt to do, as parents, raising our kids up in the Lord, accepting their uniqueness completely, affirming their value constantly, increasing their responsibilities over a period of time as they grow up, correcting them without anger and loving them continually. Folks, we need 
truth. Nothing is more important than the truth of love. Jesus had an interaction that was recorded in the Gospels with kids. Read this verse, Matthew 19, 14. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who are like these children. I'm sure you've heard of this story. And because it's Mother's Day, I want to work moms into this story. The night before you get the idea, Mom, you know what? We're gonna, I'm going to take my kids to see Jesus. You can't wait for the morning to come. When they wake up, you tell them, guess what? Today we're going to go see Jesus because I understand that he might be the Messiah and he is in town. And the kids go, yay! And so as a mom, what do you do? You get your kids all dressed up with matching clothes, right? I mean, they're gonna wear their very best because we're gonna go see Jesus. And off you go with the kids. You're going down the streets. As the streets narrower and you're getting closer, you begin to hear the crowds. And obviously, at that point in time, your kids start asking that most important question, right? When are we gonna get there? When are we gonna be there? And as you get closer within eyesight, just at that point in time, a disciple jumps out in front of you and says, guess what, Jesus is too busy for your kids today. And as a mom, you know how you respond. Your heart sinks. You told your kids that you were going to see Jesus. And so you turn to your kids and you tell them, kids, I'm sorry, but Jesus is too busy today, we can't see him. And the kids start crying. They are in shock. They start crying. And then they say that other statement that we often, you promised. And just about that time, as you are walking away, you hear a voice behind the disciples. Don't prevent the children from coming to me. It is the voice of Jesus. He is inviting your kids into his busy life. Why? Because he loves kids. And it is out of that love that Jesus has for your kids that you find strength to reach the next generation. The heart of Jesus is to love. And so when we talk about putting family first, we're talking about this atmosphere, which is obvious, love. We need love. And we need to choose to do what Jesus taught about love. Take a look at John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus taught this. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We are to love like Jesus. It kind of reminds me of a story. Mom wakes up, it's Mother's Day. She understands that her kids are a gift to the Lord, so she makes pancakes. And immediately, the two boys start arguing with one another. Who's gonna get the first pancake? But the mom is filled with wisdom. She has numbered her weeks. 
And so she says, boys, if Jesus were here right now, he would say, let my brother have the first pancake. I can wait. And one of the boys says, you can be Jesus. <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that, honestly. I, I was wondering whether that would come off okay. <laughs> Now, if you're going to love like Jesus, folks, it's got to include your family, not just people who are far off in the outer, outside the walls of this church, locally and globally. No, it's got to include our families because honestly, it's tough, is it not, to love those that you know the best? It is. It's much easier to love people that you don't know very well. It is always more challenging to love those you know the best. And so this is where scripture says that we are to love our families first. How do we do that? Well, let's take John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 and let's break that down. Because in this verse, Jesus teaches us how to build this atmosphere of love that empowers us to reach the next generation. And the first thing is this. Will you write this down? I need a better example. Jesus says, just as I. He's saying, I'm the example. I'm the model. Now, here is the principle behind those few words. And this principle, again, I would say this, it works in any relationship. It works in business relationships. It works at school. It works in marriages. This principle works across the board. And it is this, will you write this down? I will follow the example I focus on. If I have a better example, guess what? I tend to follow that. This is true of life. We all tend to have the kind of marriages that our parents had. Am I correct? Why? Because that was our model. If there was something better out there, then we might focus on that and move towards that. But because that was primarily our only model growing up, we tend to parent the way we parent. We tend to have the marriages the way our parents had a marriage. If you grew up in a home that was a bunch of huggers, guess what? You kind of you and your new family tend to drift towards being huggers. If you grew up in a family where there was only one, maybe two hugs a year, I don't know, Mother's Day being one of them and, and Christmas being the other, then you didn't drift to being a hugging family. We tend to follow examples that are set before us. Now this principle has deep implications when it comes to our parenting because the kind of parents that we are more than likely are the result of the parents that we saw growing up. Some of you grew up in quiet homes. If a fly landed on the wall, you heard it. You had a quiet homes. Some of you have very quiet homes. Some of you grew up in very loud homes. 
one of the first arguments that I had with Cheryl. She said I was yelling at her. I said, I'm not yelling. I had another brother. We're just loud in our family, okay? You could land a 737 with a max engine in our backyard, and it, there would be no disruption in our conversations in the home that I grew up in. Have you ever seen or heard in your interactions with your kids, your parents? Absolutely. Why? Because we tend to drift towards the examples that were before us. That is the power of an example. But here is the question. What if you had a bad example? And remember, folks, we all grew up in imperfect families with imperfect parents and imperfect siblings. siblings. And those patterns honestly are hard to break. And so we have to have something different in order to change the way we love in our families. And Jesus comes along and he says, I've got a new commandment. And I am a new example. I want you to love like I love. Folks, those magnets of previous examples in our life are strong, are they not? And so we need a stronger magnet. We need a infinite, powerful magnet. And Jesus comes along as God himself and says, I'm it. I'm the magnet that can overcome the magnets of your previous examples. And that power that we get doesn't come through trying, but rather it comes through trusting. Trusting in the new commandment. Trusting in the new example. And Paul did this. Take a look at 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Folks, Paul is not saying here that he is perfect. No, he is saying, I'm trusting in Jesus as my example. It is like the game of follow the leader. You follow me as I'm following Christ. And if you and I, as parents, follow the example of Christ, then our kids will drift towards Christ rather than drifting towards something else. You see, this is a powerful concept. Examples are so important, but they have to be bathed in love. And even though we may be drawn back to a previous example, if we keep Christ focused in our life and in our family's lives, yes, there may be this draw to revert back but we can choose a different example and respond in a different way. And so instead of following an old example, a previous example, choose to follow a new one. And sure, you won't be perfect, but it'll reflect in your family. Jesus taught this principle. 
take a look at John 13, 15. This is a little bit before John, John there in, in 34 and 35. I set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus says, follow my example. Now what is happening here in this verse is that this is the night before Jesus is betrayed. And he's in the upper room with his disciples. And he walks in on these disciples and he notices they have dirty feet. Why? Because his disciples were too proud to lower themselves. Because back then, washing someone's feet was just for a slave. And so they were too filled with pride. And so he walks in and he sees that their feet aren't being, haven't been washed. And so he girds himself and he gets a towel and he washes the feet of his disciples. And he says, hey guys, I want you to do as I have done to you. Now, when Jesus did this, he did not set up some religious ritual like a sacrament, like communion that we practice at LifePoint. He didn't do this for some super spiritual reason. Honestly, he did it for a practical reason. Their feet were dirty. And in essence, he comes to them and says, here's what I want you to learn. When you see a need, you meet a need. You do what I have done, and you do it out of love. Now let's bring this in to parenting. When you are washing your baby's feet, and you're taking a look at those little tiny toes, you're doing what Jesus did for you. When you wash your baby's bottom, you're doing what Jesus did for you. And when you, as a child, do that for your parents, you're doing what Jesus did for you. How do you and I practically get this into our family? Can I encourage you to do this? Read the Gospels again and again and again and focus on Jesus. I have leaders that call me that like to talk about leadership principles and I love to read about leadership. Now I'm turned on to Harvard Business Review because I wanna learn. But the greatest example of leadership is Jesus. Study his leadership and you and I will become better parents. So to have power to intentionally make a difference in reaching the next generation, we need a better model. Secondly, we need to build a stronger foundation. Jesus said, I have loved you. The greatest experience that you will have in life is when you accept and when you, or when you recognize and when you accept God's love for you. And not just that first time, whenever that happened for you, maybe 40 or 50 years ago. No, it's as you experience that moment by moment by moment throughout your day. It's kind of like you hear yourself talking. You know what? I know you love me, Jesus. 
I know you love me. I know you love me. I know you love me. Life is tough. We need that affirmation. I know you love me. It's like the song that we heard growing up in, in, in Sunday school. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Folks, I am a grandparent. And it is my constant prayer that my grandchildren, Layla and Andrew and Isley, will be rooted and grounded in God's love for them. Those five things that we talked about the first two weeks of this series. Because it is the foundation in their lives that will give them security and confidence and joy and peace in their life and in the relationships that they will have. And you, when you begin to realize the reality of God's love and you come back to it again and again and again, it will affect your life across the board and it will affect every relationship. Let me give you the principle behind this thought. Will you write this down? I will give love as I have received love. Folks, you and I can't give what we don't have. And whatever you do, don't make the mistake of trying to, to love out of an empty tank. It won't work. Recognize and accept God's love for you and remember the truth that God will never love you any more or any less than he loves you right now. End of statement. Because of the cross. You don't have to earn God's love. So just be secure in it. Bask in it. Bask in God's unconditional love for you. And if you think that God loves you more on your good days versus your bad days, you don't know how powerful God's love is for you. Like I said earlier, in parenting, there's no such thing as a perfect parent. There were oftentimes I felt like a failure. But here is a principle I have taught for 30 years. Romans 8, verse 1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I mentioned this entering into my 31st year. Because it is an important principle for parenting and for families to be grounded in. If you know Christ and you feel condemnation, guess what? That doesn't come from God. It may come from another spouse. It may come from uh, someone else. It may be coming from yourself. But I guarantee you this, that verse says it doesn't come from God. And feeling condemned is one of the big signs of a faulty foundation that ultimately will destroy a family. Why do I say that? Because whatever is on the inside will come out on the outside. And so we must be rooted and we must be grounded. We must build our lives on the foundation of God's love. And this no condemnation thing doesn't mean that there aren't consequences. There are. We talked about that last week. 
It just means that God's not angry with us. It just means that God will not reject us. It means that God will always have us in our home. That we can always will be at his table. This verse is such a cool verse. Take a look at John 15, 9. I've loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. Can you picture that? I picture myself coming home from a hectic day at work and coming in and having dinner and Jesus is there. And he's serving me. Cheryl, meat and potatoes. Not vegetables. I'm at home with Jesus. <laughs> and after we're done, I get in my rocking chair and I look out the window next to Jesus at my birds. And I take off my shoes. And yeah, my feet stink. But I'm enjoying a quiet moment with Jesus. Or maybe I'm in a line and I'm in a hurry at the grocery store and I hear Jesus say to me, George, right now be at home in my love for you. Whether it is a quiet moment or whether it is a busy moment, there's nothing that makes life better than knowing that you're at home in God's love. Take a look at this out of Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Will you circle that phrase? And live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragment, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. The best thing that you can do for your family as a parent, as a partner, for a business, as a professional, is to realize that you are a deeply loved child yourself. Do you want to be a great parent, partner, professional? Then realize that you are a deeply loved child of God yourself. That's how you become great. Peter was great, was he not? He was one of the pillars of the early church and Jesus helped him to realize this in his heart. He, he, he denied the Lord three times and on his third appearance, Jesus' third appearance with Peter, he starts working with him about God's love for him. And he says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three different times and the first two times, the word love is agape. In other words, unconditional love. And what he is doing with Peter is he, he's driving down this theological thought of, yes, I know that God loves me unconditional. But the, and, but the third time that he says, I love you, is filio, brotherly love. And he says, Peter, if you're gonna become great, you gotta drop it from your head into your heart. And that's how you become a great partner and professional. And that is how you become a great parent. A practical way to do this is just to put up verses on your refrigerator or wherever you may happen to be. 
that just emphasize God's love. Romans 8, 35 through 39, you'll never be separated from God's love, is a great one. So you love like Jesus by being a better, by having a better example and by building a stronger foundation. As that happens, you're building an atmosphere that will empower your parenting. Third is I need a higher purpose. In John 13, Jesus said this, your love will prove you are my disciples. Folks, in most love songs and in most love movies like Hallmark, right? Great, greatest love movies out there, Hallmark movies, okay? The highest purpose of love is love itself. And yet Jesus comes along and he says, I've got a higher purpose than love itself. My purpose for you is to show the world that you belong to me. To show the world what I am like. Love has a higher purpose than love itself. And sure, we're created to love. But we love, out of our love, we show what God is like. And so, will you write this principle down? Since love has to have a purpose higher than itself, so too parenting has to have a purpose higher than itself. The purpose of parenting isn't to be a good parent so that I have good kids, so that when eventually they have kids, that they are good parents, so that, that, so that I have good grandkids. No. The purpose is that the world would see whose we are. Look at Psalms 115, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name, be the glory because of your love and faithfulness. Now the amazing thing is this, that God wants to let the world see who he is through your life. Isn't that awesome? God wants the world to see who he is through your marriages, through your families, that's why I say marriage isn't an end in itself. It is something greater. And having kids is something greater than just having a family. Is that God has chosen you and I, even in our imperfection, as partners, as parents, to communicate to the world who he is. One of the famous verses in regards to this, is Psalms 127, verse three. Take a look at this. This is a famous one. Children are a gift from the Lord. Now, depending on the circumstances of your life right now, maybe even of today, you may be happy about that verse. You may be sad about that verse, right? You may be saying, oh, my kids are a gift from the Lord. And others of you may be saying, oh, my kids are a gift from the Lord. Honestly, as a parent, I love being a dad. I love the highs of being a dad. And I love the lows 
of being dead. I remember when my three kids came into this world, I was there. It was a high for me. Maybe not for Cheryl, but it was for me. And I remember the lows as well. I will never forget the time when David graduated from UNT in communications and said he wanted to go into seminary. And he chose Talbot, Biola in California. And I took him out to California. It's a long drive. And I thought, our family will never be the same. I was hoping that it wouldn't be. But it's never been the same since. And as parents, that's okay, isn't it? Because things have to change. As kids begin to grow, it's important that they be launched out into the world to be who God created them to be and to do what God created them to do. And yet, personally, I had to grieve that because I knew it would never be the same. And when he came back, I had a little spark of hope. And when he left, I grieved again. I share that story with us to give you permission to grieve the different seasons of parenting. It is okay to grieve when you launch them out, celebrating their life, maybe as they go off to college. Both the highs and the lows are a part of this thing of children being a gift. And what helps you and I to go with those different experiences, the highs and the lows, is to understand the last part of that verse, which I have really focused in on, and that is from the Lord. The Lord is the one who sent my kids into my world, and it is he, and he is the one who has a higher purpose for their life than I do. We got a saying around here because we're a purpose-driven church. 30 years ago, I said, you know what? Rick, I like your example. Can I steal it? And he says, if my bullet fits your gun, shoot it. May not be politically correct to say that now, but that was 30 years ago. And so we have a saying here, life isn't about me and it isn't about you. And parenting isn't about you and it isn't about me and it's not about our kids either. It is about the purpose that God has for them. And the greatest thing that you can do for your kids is to help them realize who God made them to be and what he made them to do. This is what we as parents labor for. Take a look at Galatians 4, 19. Oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. All right. There's a fourth thing that you and I need in order to feel empowered in order to create an atmosphere of love, to feel empowered to parent our kids. And it's found in verse 34, where Jesus says, love each other. 
It's interesting, he says that two times. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other, number one. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other twice. He says that twice. Why? Because he's wanting to communicate that it's going to take something more than just willpower to love your kids. It's going to take a supernatural power. And so will you write this down? I need a greater power. If I'm going to love my kids and others around me in a godly way, folks, I need a supernatural power, not some fake power that came out of the 50s with June Cleaver with Leave it to Beaver or Ozzie and Harriet. You remember those shows? Ozzie and Harriet, the, the Nelsons, okay, where Harriet had all her hair just right. Folks, it's got to be real. Because one of the greatest struggles in parenting, is it not getting your kids ready and getting them out the door for the, for the rest of the day? And then when they come home, receiving them in love, as it becomes a rat race, trying to get all the work done to finish up that day to get them ready for the next day. Folks, what we need isn't some fake type love. We need a real love. How do you and I get there? How do you and I get there when we yell at our kids in the morning and then when they get home in the afternoon, we have to apologize to them? How do we get there? Well, it's in his love that we find real power. Will you write down 1 John 4, 19? We love because he first loved us. It is in his love that we begin to realize that we are not on our own. And I would have you know that we teach our children and we teach our students this. That whatever they may face, God loves them and they are not alone. They may feel alone, but they are not alone. God is with them and he loves them and he accepts them and he affirms them and he is teaching them to be responsible. And yes, he disciplines them. He doesn't punish them, but he corrects them. And he loves them continually. And I shout out to Josh, our children's pastor, and I shout it out for Dane, our student pastor, because this is what gets taught in these classrooms. And we need to realize another truth, that with God's presence, not only comes a peace that passes all understanding, but a power to parent. Take a look at this verse. Philippians 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ because he gives me strength. Folks, that's where real power comes from. It comes from Jesus Christ, who is our Savior who is God himself, who is omnipotent, who has the power to help us in an atmosphere of love, to love others, our families, our kids, all the time. I don't know what kind of family you may have. You may have a Noah-type family where you are the lone survivor 
Or you may have a Jacob-type family where before the kids were even born, there was conflict going on in the relationship. Regardless of the kind of family you have, strength is found in Jesus Christ. And as Moses said, Lord, teach me to number my days that I might present to you a heart of wisdom. Because these days that we have with our kids, with our spouses, with our friends and family, they go by for so fast. And it takes God's wisdom in order to make an impact. Let's pray. With our heads bowed, maybe you have to talk to God about your relationships. Maybe you're finding yourself coming up short. Understand God loves you unconditionally. And he wants you to recognize that and he wants you to accept it. To be at home in his love for you. And that starts as you say yes to a relationship with Christ. To where you drop him from your head into your heart. To where you experience in the center of your being God's love for you through his son dying on the cross for your mistakes. If you haven't done that, will you do that this morning? I can't think of a better day. <laughs> Mother's Day. A day where we recognize and honor those who have given us birth, who have shown us love in the best way they possibly could. Today, will you just say yes? God, I admit that I have some failures. I've made some mistakes in my life. But I believe that you love me because you sent your son to die on the cross for my sins. And this morning, I'm dropping you from my head into my heart. It's that simple. If you said that in your words, God heard you. Would you just let me know? Will you just take the communication card that's in front of you, write your name, maybe an email address, and check the appropriate box, and I'll email you some literature that'll help you understand what you just did and to help you get on the road of life and understanding who God is and what he wants to do in you and through you. Lord, we thank you today for your love. We thank you that you're our example. We thank you for those that you have placed around us, God. Our moms, other women in our life that have nurtured us, that have cared for us, God. Other people that have been there in the tough times for us, God. We know that they are gifts from you. And may we be those who acknowledge you in all these things. 
lift you up and to remember who you are and how you've worked. And so God, we give you this time. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.